Well, hello out there, planet Earth, and happy Friday. Friday is here, and I'm happy I made it. My wife's away on a girl's trip to Arizona, so I'm juggling the kids' work and other pleasantries. Anyway, it's Friday, and it's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. I see why am I, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium-Sized Business. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice and a sounding board for business leaders. Love to learn, love to help wherever I can, also love to be consultative. I bring the strengths of sharing stories, providing perspective, and creating connection to the table. Every single Friday, you can find me right here on talkradio.myc, lending what's left of my mind and my voice to a live radio show where I interview SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. In my travels, one thing that I've noticed is that some of the best thought leadership for SMBs, it actually happens on Friday when we feel the freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're also anxious to start the weekend, myself included. I do enjoy the occasional cocktail. These uh, crucial pearls of wisdom, they get forgotten, they get swept aside, under the rug, wherever, in favor of our freedom and our uh, from work and our fun weekend activities, everything that we got to do. Here on Always Friday, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity. We discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders, as well as their trusted advisors. Quick thought for everyone, my last name means free in German, so name of the show is not just a play on words, always a little bit of deeper meaning here, people. This week, we celebrated President's Day, or President's Week, depending on where you're located. Paying tribute to some of our country's greatest leaders over the last 250 years, some of the freedoms and opportunities we all realize to this day may not have come to fruition without these folks. Whether you had one day off or you had the week off, it's important to reflect on where we've been and where we're going as American people. Anyway, shades are on, the weekend's upon us, let's get down to business with a splash of fun. Today's show is all about navigating employment-based immigration. SMBs have had no shortage of challenges over the last couple of years. We've talked about plenty of them on the air here, not the least of which is attracting and retaining talent. So labor shortage and the great resignation buzzwords that everybody hears nowadays. But what about the available talent that's currently based overseas? In 2021, the administration made a number of changes to the U.S. employment-based immigration system that business owners may not really have on their radar. Some of the changes are a good step moving forward, but some of them undoubtedly present challenges in the human resources space, particularly for SMBs. So whether you're a U.S.-based employer in search of talent based outside the country, or you have prospective employee looking to work and set up residence here in the U.S., you just need to have the right counsel in your corner, period. So our special guest has worked extensively with companies of all sizes, from startups to multinational companies, as well as individuals and their families trying to live and work in the U.S. For 20 years, her legal practice has concentrated exclusively on matters of immigration and nationality. Talk is cheap. Well, not always when you're speaking with an attorney. But we are on talkradio.myc. We don't want this to just be talk. The goal here is let's use the insight on the SMB landscape and take it to create some more impact come Monday morning when we get back to work. Far too often, SMBs are focused on the product that's going to solve all their problems, the magic wand, the magic bullet, the shiny new toy, whatever they get. One consistent thing I see out there is that products change every single day in everything that we do, whether you're looking at the personal or business side. There's no substitute for surrounding yourself with the right people first, keeping focus on the process that's going to help you get to your goals. You do that, the right products, the right apps, the right tech, it'll all be there when you need it. Everything begins and ends with people. So in the spirit of surrounding yourself with the right people, very excited for the show today. Our very special guest, none other than Carol Williams, principal attorney at Williams Immigration. So as a results-driven attorney, Carol delivers innovative solutions to problems that might seem unsolvable to others. United States immigration law is always changing. A creative approach can often be more beneficial than a traditional one, which is something that people struggle with these days. Carol works hard to meet the needs of her clients, providing them with a one-on-one service and effective representation. Carol's worked extensively with companies of all sizes, once again, from startups to multinational companies. Her passion for immigration law began in law school, where she quickly identified the practice area as her legal calling. Carol helps companies hire and retain employees who are non-citizens. Additionally, she counsels companies requiring help with 
I-9 compliance, H-1B audits, E-verify requirements, and defense of uh, Department of Defense, Department of Justice investigations relating to employment discrimination. <clears throat> in addition, whether you need to reunite, reunite with your family members in the U.S., obtain a green card or United States citizenship, or apply for a passport, Carol would be happy to help you start a new chapter in your life. She loves to help U.S. citizens bring their fiancés to the USA as well. As a former adjudications officer at the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services, USCIS, at its headquarters in Washington, D.C., Carol uh, offered insight into the work it can offer insight into the workings of the agency. So really good perspective from both sides of the table here. She worked on policy, drafting regulations and monitoring pending legislation. Her unique perspective provides her with an advantage when she works with all of her clients. Before starting her own firm, Carol worked with several large immigration practices that represented a variety of industries, uh, not including but not limited to IT, automotive, manufacturing, hospitality, education, healthcare, construction, retail, telecom, and entertainment. Her varied experience adds valuable insight for her clients, got her bachelor's from the University of Pennsylvania, her Juris Doctor from the George Washington University Law School, is admitted to the Maryland Bar Association, and is an active member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Very caring personal service and multifaceted approach to legal concerns. You can trust Carol and team to represent your best interests. She is the best person I could think of to chat about this today. Thrilled she's joining us. We will also discuss my favorite three questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? Your favorite movie or TV show? Your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? Just because I love those questions. Taking a break this morning from her extremely busy schedule of supporting employees and employers in the world of immigration with some Southern hospitality. Carol, welcome to Always Friday. At last you made it. Hi, thanks for having me. I know we've been planning this for a while. So thrilled to finally have you here. You got to give me the founder's journey because it's there's few people from that have your type of perspective on this topic. So give it to me. All right. So my founder's journey is very atypical, I think. Um, I went to I knew I wanted to be a lawyer since I was seven years old. Um, and I have been singularly focused in that endeavor my and literally my entire life. Um so I finally get to law school. I, from seven to law school, I knew I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. Even, I didn't know prosecution or defense. I just knew criminal. And I got to law school, and I hated criminal law. I hated the class. Like I couldn't stand it. And I was like, no, no, simmer down, simmer down, because all first year law students take the, the same classes across the country. So I thought it's just an introductory class. Like it, it gets better. Next year, I took evidence and I was like, oof, really hate this class. And so <laughs> I floundered. Like, I had literally spent my entire life wanting this thing. And I was so, I felt like I was so close and yet now so far away because I just, I didn't, criminal law didn't resonate with me. So I took, I literally took a break. I went overseas. I went to Mexico that summer, took one class. It was random and it was immigration. So literally the universe put me where, like exactly where I needed to be. And it was taught by three clinicians who ran immigration clinics at their own law schools. And so it was a hundred percent practical. We talked about the client journey and what they need, no matter who your client is, whether it's, whether it's this huge corporation or whether it's a small family um, and how you get the information that you need. Um, and it was, I mean, it was, it was everything I needed and wanted and didn't even know it at the time. Um, do, you, do you think that it had a bigger impact on you because you came across it in Mexico than if you took like an immigration course in the, in the U S I, I doubt it quite honestly. Um, at that point I had already studied abroad in Spain in cool. undergrad, um, my parents were big on exposing my brother and I to, to everything they could. So different cultures, different foods, different places, different cities. Um, so the travel bug had already bitten. Um, mm -hmm. I was already deep into learning Spanish, which most of it I have forgotten, but that's okay. Um, and so I think it was just a time in my life that really married travel and culture and people and and exploration 
with an area of the law that just really, really resonated with me. Um, Mm. So I took that one class and it was incredible. Got back to law school. And then we had, we had an immigration clinic in our, in our, in our law school, but it was a year long clinic and I was already signed up for another clinic. And so I finagled my way into the clinic for the second semester. Like we prefer to say negotiated in your profession. I, I believe. No, I totally, I totally finagled. I totally <laughs> finagled my way in. Um, I got, I heard that somebody was leaving the clinic. I went into the professor's office and I said, you have an opening in your clinic and I want it. And he's like, I don't have an opening. I said, well, maybe you don't know yet, <laughs> but <laughs> it's coming and I want it. And he said, that's not. He said, that's not how any of this works. And I was like, it's, it's pretty much how it's going to work now. Cause this is what I want. And this is what I want to do for the rest of my career. And I need this clinic. And he's like, but that's not how this works. I said, okay, I'm going to leave. I'll be back once you know that you have this opening and then we'll revisit this conversation. And so I totally got in. I totally got in. And then I've been doing immigration ever since quite honestly, like that. I mean, that's what started it. It was that nugget that started it. How could anybody not have you represent them? <laughs> so, so, so you're barred in Maryland. You went to GW, which I went to the University of Maryland. So, for all we know, we were partying in the same area at the same Probably. time. You, you, know, you never know. But uh, talk to us a little bit about how you like, because my understanding, you can you can work with folks really all over the country because it's a it's a federal type of jurisdiction, is it not? Yeah the only the only body that impacts immigration and determines who comes in or who must leave the country is Congress and the president. So as a result of that, I can be barred in one state, but work totally in all 50 states. So my clients are truly nationwide and, and international because of that. Very cool. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to get a little bit into more of your method, how you go to market. When we come back, we're going to continue the chat with Carol Williams, principal and attorney at Williams Immigration. Stay with us. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. It's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting here with my friend Carol Williams, principal and attorney at Williams Immigration, specializing in immigration and nationality. And uh, I want to just tee things up here real quick as we dive into the method. We were just chatting a little bit that 
uh, in the last segment that Carroll can really work with any, anyone around the country. It's federal jurisdiction. It's not necessarily a state to state thing where my wife's an attorney. She's barred in New Jersey and New York only. So, you know, it's not something to, to consider, but just to, to give a quick perspective on, on the topic of the day here, I think everyone can relate to whether they've been through it or not. The idea that the pursuit of U.S. citizenship, if you're not a citizen yet, is very stressful, especially during the pandemic and, and everything that's followed or still in or however you want to categorize it. Uh, but getting to know the people involved with the immigration discussion, whether it's counsel or the people themselves, the end user clients, like to achieve the desired outcome, it's it's not just about getting here, getting a green card. It's like you really need to know the entire situation to be as effective as possible. The service mindset is so important here. And I know Carol has it. You need to treat people from all walks of life who are not yet U.S. citizens as if they are first class citizens before it even comes to fruition. So it's to me, it's exciting to hear an experience and perspective from someone like Carol. She's seen things from the government side on a federal level, how they go about accepting applications for work, for permanent residency, very insightful. But these days also has decades of experience simplifying the process as much as she can, designing creative solutions for her clients, and then successfully advocating on their behalf. Arguably, some of the best background you could ever have in this type of space. So, Carol, we got to talk a little bit about the method here. What exactly are you doing these days? How do you do it? And how do you go to market for it? Lay it on us. Sure. So the first thing I do when working with clients, and I ask this of every single client, is what's your goal? Like, what, what, what are you trying to achieve? Because I can hear a set of facts and I can start running towards an end goal. But if we're not running towards the same goal, then we're not working well together. And that's, that's, that is me in effect then not helping you. Um, Because your goal, simply stated, may be to live with my family under the same roof. Your goal could be, I want to hire this person that I have already identified. Your goal could be stated as simply as, I have a lot of work and I need to, I've found this person and how do I get them here? I need the work done, right? And so a business owner maybe focused on getting the work done. So I have to take into consideration their goal and really talk to them in their language. Because if I start talking a whole bunch of, you know, like legal terms, they don't think I understand their goal, right? Their goal is to get this, to get the piles of paper off their desk and get them on someone else's desk and then make their, their end clients happy. That's, that's really a lot of my clients' goals right? Like on the, on this, on the business side, that's a lot of their goals is to get the work done. A tool that they use in a method is to get someone in the door to do that work. That person happens to be a foreign national, right? So my, I always start with what's your goal, you know, so that, so that we are, we are working together the way that I work. We work as partners, um, in search of and working towards that goal. And so a lot of times I tell them, I can get you to your goal, but I'm going to, and I tell them, I'm going to start planting seeds because if you want to hire somebody today, which I get, you're looking at the tree in the forest. You're not looking long-term. So my job, I tell them is to think long-term for them because again, their goal is to get work off their desk. And that is really in essence, a very short-term goal. But long-term, when you're talking about hiring someone, when you're talking about hiring anybody, whether they're a foreign national or not, is really retention. Like we've all got to think about retention and how do we, once we hire this person, onboard them, put them at their desk, you know, give them the tools that they need to succeed, assuming that they are succeeding, how do I then keep that person here, right? right? And so that is something that all business owners, all HR folks contend with. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about hiring a, someone that's not a U.S. citizen, again, their goal, get get piles of paper off my desk, right? right? So, okay, I got that goal. But then I have for them, I'm like, okay, person is hired. Immigration work is now done or short-term immigration work is now done. My job doesn't stop there. I don't perceive my job to stop there. My job continues when I say, okay, this person is now here. 
you and I aren't done communicating. We need to talk about how do you keep this person on board? And in my world, that's called a green card. Employers can absolutely sponsor their employees for a green card. But I tell them, I'm like, listen, if you come to me five days before this person is no longer allowed to be here, like they're not really a whole lot I'm going to be able to do. But if this is a conversation that we start having the minute this person starts working for you on a temporary visa, then the green card conversation just becomes a a natural part of their landscape. Right. So really, I guess my method is to stay one step ahead of my clients with what they need, even though they may not be ready for that next step, or they may not know that they need that next step. So I'm constantly planting seeds and I'm telling them like, it's not shady. I'm not like, Oh, oh, oh we're going to get a green card <laughs> out of this. You know, it's, but it's, it's, and I tell them, I'm like, okay, I was like, this person's here now when you're doing their regular review, think about, is this someone you want long-term just the same as you would think about that for any other employee, you've got to now overlay the immigration on top of that. So if you think at six months, a year, two years, you really think this, this, this is a great working relationship, reach out to me. Not that I'm not going to be reaching out to you in the interim, but reach out to me and be like, you know what? I think, I think we want to go forward with a green card for this person. You know, what does that look like? How do we do that? You know? And so that way we've got years to plan this out versus six days or six months. You know, so a lot of it is staying one step or two steps ahead of my clients while still giving them what they need today. I I, I love the sentiment and I'm I'm so passionate about it because I, I, I agree with everything you said. And when I when I think about this topic, it's almost like the green card is that product, that new that shiny new toy that was like, oh, I gotta have it in five days, or I gotta have it in five hours. Some I'm I'm sure has even happened at some point. It's like, oh I need it, I need it here immediately. But it's it's just like a, a quick like moth to the flame. It's you surround yourself with the right people, somebody who can actually guide you in an, an extremely complex process, but can also give perspective both as an advocate and as somebody who's been you know has had the field work, the ground war, if you will, you know, yeah. seeing what 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 happens on the on the government side. So where, where some of those dots connect, I saw a blog post that you had posted recently about new H-1B registrants can actually register on the USCIS website. So talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Was there, were they previously like not able to, or what's, you know? So every year there's this mad dash um, for, and we call that the H it's H-1B cap season. H-1B (laughs) is one of many non-immigrant or I call them temporary work visas. Yep. It's, I, call it the workhorse of the work visas. Um, it's, it is meant for people that have a bachelor's, bachelor's degree or higher and the job requires a bachelor's degree, right? But the, key, the, the problematic part <laughs> is that there's only 85,000 new H-1Bs allowed every fiscal year. In past years, we've had over 200,000 people wanting them. So they have now instituted a lottery n- Within the past three years, a lottery has now gone online. So you now have to enter the lottery online, but there are very specific deadlines and time points where you need to create your USCIS account. Then you've got to actually enter the lottery. Then you've got to wait to see if you're chosen for the lottery. If you're chosen for the lottery, then you've got to file your application. As your application sits there and people start to get nervous, they're like, should I upgrade this? Like, should I ask them to expedite it? You know, so so there's all these touch points throughout the process. And so we are knee deep in the middle of that process now because the lottery actually opens next, next week on the first. So great. It coincides with tax season. It it does. And I, I tell people, I'm like, I, I tell my family, I'm like, this is my tax season. And every year my brother's like, you get cranky right around January. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, whatever. I'm not cranky. And he's like, yeah, you're cranky. He's like, I love you, but you're cranky. <laughs> but there, but there is, you know, there is this, there's this massive influx of work, which is wonderful. Like it, that's more, that's more lives that I get to touch. It's more people that I get to help. It's more businesses that I get to help grow, but it, you know, there are massive 
there's a massive amount of work and there are, and it's very much time crunch. So yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's sort of H1B season, but it is a way for employers and it doesn't matter what kind of employer you are. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, which is why I call it the workhorse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what, what country you are from, because there are some visas that are country specific and you're only eligible for them if you're from a certain country, but that's not the H-1B. The H-1B is truly the every man visa, the every company visa does not matter um, place in the U.S., doesn't matter where your potential employee was born, um, and you also get to bring your family in, well, your immediate family. We're not bringing in cousins and grandmothers, bringing in spouses and, you know, children under 21 can also come in as dependents. So, so this one visa has the ability not only to transform a business and for that business owner, Mm -hmm. get the piles of work off of their desk. It has the ability to transform the lives of the, the employee and the spouse and the children, because now everybody's here in the States. They're now going to U.S. schools. They now have the option of looking at U.S. colleges. So like your whole life kind of opens up. And 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 for that small and medium-sized business, they now have a solid candidate that they love, right? Because no nobody hires a candidate that they're kind of lukewarm about. Like that just flies in the face of like conventional hiring, right? So right. now they've got this great candidate who's going to help their business grow. And so everybody is like, it's like this amazing ecosystem of growth and opportunity and starting new chapters for everybody. It's so cool to hear you talk about it so passionately because that topic is something that I've come across many times in, in my travels. As far as how you go to market for this, it's a very, very specialized industry. And like, you know, like, like you said, it's like you have a time of season right now that coincides with tax season with things like the H1B visas. You know, I know you're a serial networker. That's how I met you way back when. So you like, you like to make the rounds. I know, but before, before we cut to break here, you know, just get, give us a little bit on really how you go to market. Who else you like to really partner up with to, to make some big impact? Sure. I do a lot of partnering with business attorneys. And I work a lot with CPAs where the majority of their book of business are expats and international business owners. Those are the folks I work with really well. Um, And I work well with other attorneys that don't do what I do. You know, I have attorneys all the time. They're like, oh, no, no, that is way too complicated. Like, like no, like I am not touching that. Yeah. And and you'll get up and shout it from the rooftops. All good. I'm like, give it, give it. Like, I don't know. Like to me, it's just, it's fascinating. Like, I love it. It's, but you know, but that's, that's, those are the folks that I talk with a lot, but I jokingly say, like, I run my mouth all over town. Like, I love (laughs) meeting people in general. So while someone may not be a a business attorney or, you know, a CPA, they could do anything. And if we have a good relationship, I just think the universe marries us together in such a way that it always works out. Like that's, that's just my philosophy. I love it. And you're very, very convicted about it. And I love that about it too. So we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with Carol Williams, principal and attorney at Williams Immigration. Stay with us. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. 
On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my friend, Carol Williams, principal and attorney at Williams Immigration. It's great stuff here, Carol. I, I, I've never heard someone talk so passionately about, or authoritatively for that matter, on H-1B visas, things that I've come across with small, medium-sized businesses looking for help. But it's it, you gave us a bunch of examples there, not only of your method behind the madness, which I can't wait to get into, but uh, it, you know, just in, the idea of informed legal service with a personal touch. There's really no two cases that can be the same. You can't get you can't get more people oriented than what you do. It's every case is legit different. So you need to be really conscious and get to know the people. So diving into the madness that I am quite certain surrounds all of this. You know, this is the art, art, artistic observational part of our show. No story too taboo. Obviously, you're an attorney. We don't want to compromise client confidentiality or anything, but I'm sure you have no shortage of stories. And, you know, th- I, I know I, I came across this content on your on your website, just quick things to download, and it just kind of grabbed my eye about the green card graveyard, the seven, the seven common pitfalls. I just, it's it, it struck a couple of nerves with me. So, you got you got to give us some of your stories from the field. Talk a little bit about the madness. Sure. I you know, I'll start by saying I love the complex cases. Um and I think that's because when I started um and while I did not appreciate it at the time, I will thoroughly admit that. I I felt like I was thrown into the fire on really hard complex cases. Um, And as a result, that's actually now how I train people on my team. I don't start them on the cookie cutter stuff Um, because I really think once you can handle the hard stuff and the really complex stuff, the easy stuff, it becomes even easier, right? You know, so I often handle cases that have been filed without an attorney. Someone thought they could Google and listen, I love Google. I Google all the time. I, however, I think DIYing your legal issues (laughs) is perhaps not the best thing for you, your business or your family. Right. Um, Yes. And so oftentimes I get people, they'll reach out to me and they'll be like, you know, I did this and I filed it and everything seemed fine. And I thought it was just some forms to fill out. Right. But now, now the immigration service has sent me 15 page, a 15 page request for additional evidence. Right. And I'm like, "Mm hmm. You know, and as they're explaining it to me, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. I know what they asked for. You know, I, I get it. And they're like, oh, you've seen these before. And like, just the sound of relief. And I'm like, yes, I've seen them before. I've answered them. We've been successful with them before, you know. And so I get quite a bit of that. And I think for me, I love those cases because I'm able to really dig in with the client, figure out what they, what they one thought they were supposed to say. And then really dig in and get information from them, which is not on the 40 page form instructions. Right. And oftentimes they're like, but I read the form instructions and it didn't, it didn't ask for any of what you're asking for. And I said, well, I know. Right. But that's, that's because I think with the mind, I look at applications now with the mind of a USCIS adjudications officer. Yep. That's how I think of the application. So I think about what holes do I need to plug in an application and when I can do it. And when it all comes out in the end and look, you know, I call the client, I'm like, okay, they're, you know, your, your person's approved and they can start working. Like I'm holding the approval notice. The clients, they're so appreciative and they're so amazed. Right. And so that's why I love to do the complex cases. Um, I also partner with, with other attorneys who need that 
that inside agency knowledge to strategize some, some of their tough cases. And I'm happy to do that. Like, I love working with other attorneys, you know, sort of figure out just how to make the case work, how to take a case that's really hard where we don't like the facts aren't on our side. Like (laughs) we're lawyers, the facts aren't always going to be on our side, you know? Yeah. Um, But it's to, to me, what I hear with all of that, and it's, it's just awesome is especially the example of the of the client being like, well, this is they didn't ask for any of what you're asking for. Yeah, uh-huh, I know. I know what they're going to ask you for. Right. That's what I do. That's my right. job the last 20 years is to know that. But it just gives further fuel to the fire of the idea that it's not what you say. It's how you say it. Not, I would argue not only do you take paper off everyone's desk. You help them figure out the how to say it part. Not necessarily yeah. not about the what to say. Yeah, I tell I tell my clients in the beginning, I my job is to tell your story. And I think when people think of immigration, and I say that my business owners and my HR representatives and my in-house counsel, they're like, Carol, we're we're not like we're not a family-based case. Like we don't have a story. Like we have a business. And I was like, aha. But you do have a story. Of course. And your story needs to be told. It is a vastly different story than if I'm working with a family, but it's still a story, you know? And so the story is how does your company and the job that you want this person to have and this person's qualifications, how do they match up? How do they marry up? How, how does this combination meet the, meet the immigration requirements. That to me is a story. That's a story that I've got to tell. I've got to tell it in words, but more importantly, I tell them I've got to tell it in documents. So I present my application in a certain way. The words I put on the paper are not, they're not just sort of free thinking. I present (laughs) certain words in a certain way on the paper and send it in. So I am presenting your story. You know, and they're all, they're always very surprised that I, that I use the word story, but to me, it's, it's a story. Like we're telling, I'm telling a story. So only because you said marry in there at some point, I, I can't help but look at one of the seven, seven common pitfalls sure. for the, for the green card graveyard, the idea of marrying fake sham marriage, or e- even yeah. if it's labeled as that, but not really that, like, cause I think we all probably have a story of somebody we know. And in some cases, some people we know very, very well. Like who've, who've been through that. And in some cases where it might've even started at a place of business, a workplace where they met each other. It's like, they were still figuring out how to get citizenship in the country and permanent, sure. you know, work, work status. Yeah. I mean, you know, and though, and I love those cases, like, honestly, like my marriage cases, those are some of the happiest clients I have. It's like, I call them and they're like, Hey, how's it going? Like, <laughs> they're so happy about it. But again, I'm telling their story. Yeah, and definitely. So, And so I tell them, I'm like, listen, I had one client, they paid all of their bills in cash. Like they ran around town and paid all of their bills in cash, which is not something that we typically do in the U S. So they had filed their case on their own. And when the immigration service came back and said, we're going to deny it. And one of the reasons we're going to deny it is because you all don't have joint bank accounts. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) And so I asked them, I was like, well, why don't you all have a joint bank account? Like what's talk to me, like what's going on. And I tell them, I'm like, the things that you don't talk about with anybody else outside the four walls of your house. I said, those are the things I need to know. Those are the things I need to be able to break down and explain to the immigration service. And it turned out there was, there was nothing nefarious going on the culture that this person came from doesn't really believe in a whole lot of banks. And so it is, it it was part that, and it was part social every, you know, every week, every two weeks, every month, you know, whatever the particular bill cycle was, it was a way to connect with people in your community back at home. You would go, you'd pay the bill, you'd sit down, you'd have coffee, you'd have this, you'd chit chat. And then, and then you'd go pay the next bill. And along the way, it was a sense of community. We don't have that in the States. That is very different. Like we're like community. I was like, I got to get these bills paid. I'm logging in online. I'm paying. I'm like, I'm moving to the next thing. Yep. And so my job is to, is to tell your story, explain, explain your culture from home, 
Google, I admit it, totally Googled, found stuff mm. about the culture, sure. submitted it with the application. So it wasn't just, oh, the attorney's just making stuff up. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not just making stuff up. I am, I am craft, I'm telling you the story. I'm providing evidence of this. And this explains why they don't have a joint bank account, which they're paying all their bills out of, right? So the, evi- so the evidence class did come in handy somewhere. Absolutely. But not, you know, not the, you know, not as a full-time gig. I'm with you. Not as a full-time situation where I'm in court objecting to stuff. (laughs) But, but that, you know, that case ultimately got approved, you know, and, and that's, that's what I mean by telling the story and having the inside knowledge of the agency. So, so it strikes so many nerves and heart cords and God knows what with me, like on, on so many levels. But it's the other, uh, just to go back to your, your green card graveyard, you know, a lot of the other pitfalls things are things that, you know, I look at and I'm like, okay, yeah, it makes sense, makes sense. But along the same lines of sharing the story, and I think about this with recruiters and people th- seeking jobs nowadays, one of your other pitfalls says neglecting to prepare for the interview. Mm-hmm. And it's like not it's not enough that employees are interviewing for positions with employers. They need to prepare for an interview to be accepted by the country to be allowed to work there. Absolutely. And uh, well, recently in immigration terms, like a couple of years ago, um, the immigration service really wasn't interviewing employment sponsored green cards. And now they are. And so not only now do you need an interview for a green card if if your employer is sponsoring you. You need one if your family member is sponsoring you. And so more interviews get tanked and more green card applications get tanked at the interview when all, when all your paperwork looks fine. And a lot of it is just nerves. A lot of it is nerves. You know, I will do a mock interview with my clients and I'm, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, get get all the giggles out, get all the, you know, get all that nervous energy out so that by the time they get to that interview, I've had many clients tell me at the end of the interview, they're like, thank goodness we did a mock interview. Like I walked in there and I felt so relaxed. And a lot of them have told me, they're like, you're much harder than than the immigration officer. (laughs) Somehow that doesn't surprise me actually. And I tell them at the end, I was like, I do that by design. I was like, if you can get through my, my interview and I know the entire case forwards and backwards, I've had all day to focus on nothing but your case. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna dig in because I want you to be successful in that interview. So yeah, I, I am gonna be harder. To me, there's there's a big yeah. analogy there between the, what you do in that context and the and the recruiter recruitment industry for for even executive recruiting, regular right, you know, rank and file positions. It doesn't matter. Like it's a lot of times it's all about crafting the story the right way so that it's not just a piece of paper or a digital piece of paper these days that has your what you've done. Talks a little bit about how you've done it. I mean, we start, we start with any job offer with a resume or a CV. Like we're telling our story. We're telling our story the entire way through employment. We tell our story when we sit across from our supervisor and we're being interviewed for, you know, position or we're being, you know, or we're going through our, our mid-year review. We're telling our story. Like what's my story been with this company? And so dealing with immigration is no different. You've just got to tell your immigration story. And and I know we, you and I could tell stories all day, but we do have to take a break, but we will be right back with Carol Williams, principal and attorney at Williams Immigration. Stay with us. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, or what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! 
On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my good friend, Carol Williams, principal and attorney of Williams Immigration, former U.S. CIS adjudications officer, unbelievable perspective from both sides of the table, relentless passion around the topic, assertive knowledge. I, I don't know how anyone would, would go with anybody other than you, especially if we could do this on a federal level here. That's, that's the beginning of my message for the end part of the show here. But uh, you know, as we get into the, the message here, Carol, the whole idea from Weekend Insight to Monday Impact, I'm going to start enjoying my martinis later on this evening. So we want to give everybody a couple of sound bites to go home with this, this evening and over the weekend that they could really put into practice on, on Monday morning. And I'll, I'll kick it off with this. All I keep thinking about is that age-old idea of a person representing themselves in legal matters has a fool for a client. You can Google many topics around employment-based immigration and all the other types of services that you provide for your you know, clients, whether they're businesses or personal or family, what have you. But if people will hire a guide to take them through Disney World these days, it is ridiculously crucial to have someone like you who can guide them effectively. And so I'm, I'm just going to kick it off there. But give us some some pearls of wisdom for the weekend. So I think my, my, my weekend musings are these. <laughs> if you are a business owner, which I know many of your listeners are, and you have employees on payroll, you really need to look at your I-9 documents. If you are listening, you're like, what's an I-9? Know that that's a little bit problematic because you should have them. Um, <clears throat> the I-9 tells you as the employer, the identity of your employee and whether or not they have work authorization in this country. Um, so many small and medium-sized business owners truly believe that the government will never show up on their door unannounced and will never ask for their I-9s and they're just going to skate by. And that is horrifying from my end. I see the horrifying effects that that has. So Monday morning, when you're having your coffee or your tea, I'm a tea drinker personally, <laughs> check with the person that is responsible for hiring and onboarding to see if you, one, have I-9s, and if they are done correctly, do an internal audit. If you are not sure what that needs to look like, feel free to reach out, re, you know, and reach out to me, reach out to anybody, but make sure that your I-9s are solid. Make sure that you are building a solid HR foundation to your business. Um, and second, I, I, it so resonates with me as a business owner myself that I ha have all these amazing ideas on Friday, right? Amazing, amazing, <laughs> amazing. And then Monday morning, I'm like, oh, emails back to the grind, da, 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 like gotta get stuff done, <laughs> yep. whatever, right? And so the thing that I started doing this year that has been so helpful is I have a sheet, a, it's not in Excel, it's in my practice management system, but it is a place and I call it the parking lot. It is a place where all of my amazing ideas reside. So I don't lose them so that at the beginning or really at the end of every quarter, when I'm planning the next quarter, I go back to my parking lot where all of my amazing ideas reside. And I'm like, okay. I look at my business plan and I'm like, what of these amazing ideas that I've had in the shower while running, you know, at the grocery store that I've put on this parking lot, do I now want to tackle? 
you know, which of these fit in the guide, in the guardrails, I call them the guardrails of my business plan and which of them were just never supposed to come to fruition right now. Right. Cause I come up with a lot of great ideas, but not all of them need to be done, but I don't necessarily want to forget about them. And I think as business owners, that's so crucial to park these ideas somewhere so that we don't lose them. And so if you don't have a parking lot, um, and if you're like me before, before my parking lot, I had a lot of sticky notes. Like I feel like I'm single-handedly keeping the sticky note business in business. I have a lot of iPhone notes nowadays that are very right. similar to what you're describing. Right. So if, you know, so that is, that's really kind of my number two is don't let go of those ideas and they don't have to be done today. Um, and some of them are great ideas that shouldn't be done today because you're not ready to do them today. Um, but when you are ready for them and when your business is ready for them, they are there. And then my third is take that one idea, just that one idea that firmly fits within your guardrails and look at, we're now at the end of almost rounding the end of Q2, right? We're about to start heading into March. Take that idea, put it on your Q2, but on Monday morning, sit down and plan it out for 12 weeks. Break down every single task that you need to do in order to get that done by the end of Q2. And then at the end of Q2, you look back and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like I look back every quarter and I'm like, wow, I chunked that down into like 12 weeks and it's done. And it has moved the needle on my business. Like one, like 30 minutes every day can move the needle on your business. Like it doesn't, this doesn't have to be like, you've got to spend five hours on this and it's got to all be done at once. You can do 30 minutes a day. Your passion for all of this has almost gotten me in the mindset of going to law school so I could just do work with you officially in this space. But I, uh, in my spare time these days, which especially juggling the kids this week is very, very limited. I don't but, see how you have spare time. I don't see how you have spare time. Like I even said that when we first met. I was like, when do you sleep exactly? Yeah, there's plenty, plenty of time to sleep when you're dead, to quote many people out there. But yeah, I, I can't thank you enough for jumping on here. I know we've been talking about it a long time. You know, great topics of discussion. It's I again, you know, your perspective from both the, the government side as well as advocating on behalf of clients, personally, family, biz, small, medium-sized business-wise, enterprise level, it doesn't matter, is is invaluable. And I, I just I, I love the passion that you have for it, and I, I love the story behind it. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you guys can find Carol out there. She's definitely out and about. She's a serial networker. You Google Williams Immigration. I don't know if you you should Google how to deal with your immigration law stuff and just kind of deal with it yourself, but you will find Carol's contact information. You want me to hook you guys up directly. You could text SMB guy, all one word to 21,000. You'll get my contact info. Her contact info will be in the show notes. So definitely can connect. But before I let you go here today, I am going to revisit the answers to my three questions. Who is your favorite movie or tv show character what's your favorite movie or tv show what's your favorite musical instrument who's the artist you'd like to hear play it so a first in my world carol said she watches a a bunch of tv movies you know she's not a stranger to it but she didn't really have a favorite movie or tv show character so that forced me into actually doing more work and figuring out well, who can I, th- who reminds me of Carol? And, you know, I start thinking about all of these, these TV and movie attorneys, you know, women attorneys and powerful like personalities. I'm like, Ally McBeal, Law and Order, Boston Legal, which had a phenomenal cast, by the way. But I kept coming back to one picture in my head of Adam Sandler sitting at the table with, Bel- with the Coneheads, giving him Fake a false identification, so just so he can use his work in his repairman shop. You know, aliens from the planet Remula coming to work in the U.S. and you know, eventually starting to raise a family. I I just kept thinking that Carol's so creative and has you know background in all these different areas of immigration. She could get it to pass here, no problem. Yeah, the Coneheads are they're, yeah, they're fine. They're authorized to work in the U.S. Oh my God, talk about a throwback! Holy cow! <laughs> Holy I, cow! And it's also President's Week. I couldn't get that picture of him dressed as Abe Lincoln out of my head either. That's so it's just hilarious. just brutal. So uh, I, I can't help myself, you know. So <laughs> your your favorite movie uh, movies you actually had some answers to and some okay. some interesting ones. So okay. so first came to mind. You said The Devil Wears Prada. So smart but sensible graduate lands a job as an assistant. To 
to Miranda Priestley, demanding editor in chief of a high fashion magazine. And I, I'm just like, I'm looking at some of her quotes and everything. It says, by all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that thrills me. I just think One of you, my favorite. <laughs> I just, I just, I just hear you talking about immigration status for the clients you're working with. But, and working in the world of high fashion for a person like that, it might have seemed like another country to the main character anyway. But the answer that really got me going was, you're a fan of the Fast and Furious movies, too, which I didn't see coming. You know, Los <laughs> Angeles police officer Brian O'Connor has got to decide where his loyalty really lies. He becomes enamored with the idea of street racing world and that he's been sent to undercover to really take down. And I, I'm a big car guy. I, I, love, I love the movies, but yeah, I was surprised to hear this answer kind of for you, from you. Love it. But it also reminded me of your experience with both the USCIS and your own law firm. It's comparable to his experience as a police police officer and getting entrenched in the world and becoming accepted and part of the family. You don't turn your back on the family, which you're not necessarily doing that. You're helping everybody connect the dots in the middle, like make the best translation of the story. So I, th- I think it's phenomenal. So I saw a lot of good analogy there and a lot of great pictures to go along with it. You're welcome. So, favorite instrument, artist you'd like to hear play it, piano, favorite of mine, and John Legend was your answer. So, very talented musician. I'm a big fan as well. Something I learned about him recently, he's he's one of only 16 people and the first black person to have won all four of the major American Entertainment Awards, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. That's huge. Yeah. He's incredibly talented. I heard him, I heard, saw him in concert years ago, just when he was first starting. It was actually him and Alicia Keys. Like, what an incredible lineup. So, yeah. Absolutely. Carol, Carol, thank you so much again for being here. Really appreciate it. I'm so happy we finally made it work. Oh, thanks for having me. This has been fun. And any chance I can dress us up as, you know, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen, you know, I'm going to do that. But uh, co- coming up next, coming up next week, we're going to be talking to my friend Mike Weeby with Weeby and Associates. He's a risk management consultant. So we're going to be talking about business continuity during un- uncertain times. Many factors contribute to the idea of uncertain times for SMBs: the pandemic, warlike conflicts around the world, dependence on technology that can be vulnerable to c- cyber attacks. As they say, as they say, the show must go on, which mine will next week at eleven with Mike. Especially with your own business, though, you need to have the show go on. The show must go on. Looking forward to the discussion with Mike next week. Until then, thank you so much for joining us here on Always Friday. We hope you got some weekend insight to make a Monday impact. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Take care, everybody. Sam Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. 
a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.